I'm Kelly Young. And I'm Stevie Stays Kirsch. And we're your hosts for the Badassery Life podcast, a podcast where we have the privilege to sit down and talk with women we think are living badassery lives. These are ordinary women doing extraordinary things. Women who are social activists, moms, entrepreneurs, athletes, survivors, mentors, and more. We hope to awaken the badass in you by bringing you stories of powerful, beautiful, bold women like this one. This badass woman describes herself as a writer, black woman, human, which is better, as she said, as than being competent, which is how her cousin once described her. Uh, she's an author and writer who, in her own words, specializes in the ever-evolving space where current events, politics, and pop culture intersect with race and gender. She's spoken on NPR's Weekend Edition and Janet Mock's So Popular on MSNBC, She's also the Vice President of Community Leadership and Effective Philanthropy at Central Indiana Community Foundation, where she leads a department of 15 in creating social impact by leading on critical community issues, growing, leveraging, and advising philanthropic assets, and making wise charitable grants. Meet Tamara Winfrey Harris. Tamara's first book, The Sisters Are All Right, Changing the Broken Narrative of Black Women in America, was published in 2015 and called A Myth-Busting Portrait of Black Women in America by The Washington Post. The book won the Phyllis Wheatley Award, Indie Fab Award, Independent Publishers Living Now Award, and the Ippy Award. Her latest book, Dear Black Girl, Letters from Your Sisters on Stepping Into Your Power is set for release in March 2021 and is available for pre-order from several sources, including Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and Target. She's been published in periodicals such as The Atlantic, The New York Times, Ms. Magazine, Newsweek, and The Huffington Post, just to name a few. When she's not busy writing, speaking, or blogging, Tamara can be found researching her family's history and cultivating a righteous fro. I love that. <laughs> I'm like, what bio is still out there? Because, oh, like, no. as you can tell, I haven't had a fro in like. <laughs> it's seven still years. fab, though. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> we'll track that I'm down. Just for cultivating right. locks now. That's Co- all. <laughs> gorgeous locks. I love it. Well, Tamara, thanks so much for being here with us today. We're so thrilled to talk to you. Thank you for having me. Yes. Uh, So I actually want to start by talking about your early years. And you grew up in Gary, Indiana. Mm -hmm. Talk a little bit about your childhood and how that prepared your career in journalism, more specifically a desire to be a storyteller of the black female experience. So I think part of it was, so both my parents are educators So my mom is still teaching and my dad was a principal. And so I think they just nurtured in all three of us kids, like curiosity um, and encouraged curiosity. And I grew up in a house full of books. Um, Both my parents loved to read. And I think writing might be in my blood a little bit. I mean, my mom is a great writer. I have an aunt and an uncle. They're both great writers. And I even found in doing genealogy work that my, one of my maternal great-grandmothers, Maddie Millinder, used to write this wonderful poetry. I got, I found a cousin that had like this, these stacks of her poetry. This is a woman who was the mother of 10 kids in Alabama 
in the early 20th century. So it would have been like, you know, 1920s. 19- so to just imagine her like taking time at what well, I can barely find time um, <laughs> in, in my house with my empty nest with my husband. But to think of how she must have carved out time to do this thing that she loved like is so inspiring to me. So Tamara, I read um, that your grandfather moved up from Alabama to work in the steel mills. Mm-hmm. Um, was that her son? Your grandfather? Yes. Okay. Yes, that was her son. That gives yes. me some reference. Yeah. So I love that you're researching your family's history. Has there been any kind of aha or shocking or funny or anything throughout that that, that you want to share? So like I really like the stories of the women really resonate with me. Um, I just love imagining what their lives were like and, you know, sort of those threads of things that have like followed down generations. So the writing thing, I realized we have like generations of teachers. Oh, wow. So, you know, my mom has been a teacher now for over 50 years. And she's still teaching? She's still teaching. And it turns out that her great-grandfather, yeah, I think that's right, was a teacher like 1870 first like first uh, census after that counted African-American people, he's listed as a teacher. He was trained by the American Missionary Association to come back and teach black children in uh, Martisville, Alabama. Like wow. that's amazing. Yeah, that yeah. is amazing. She didn't even know that. Like we ended up finding online his old notes from like students and stuff. And like, this is like from the 18, like, it's amazing. That's so cool. And I'm sure we could spend much more time on that. But yeah. I am curious, what do, what are you doing with this history that you're, are you sharing it with family? Where, oh, I gosh, don't give me cool. another project. <laughs> Kelly. Are you going to write a book? <laughs> For the moment, the I'm just, book. I'm just sharing it with family. <laughs> That's so cool, though. It is. It is. Um, So I wanted to ask, on your website, you state that you, quote unquote, want to be a truth teller to all of those folks who got us twisted, Mm -hmm. tangled up in racist and sexist lies, and that you want your writing to advocate my sisters. We are better than all right. We are amazing. Have you always known that you were amazing? And, And really, what was that journey like for you? So I think, again, I have to say, I've always known that I was mostly amazing. (laughs) You're amazing. Own it. Because I think my parents were very good at that, like um, making sure we were proud of ourselves and that we were good people, good character, and we knew what our strengths are. But I also think there's a a bit of that that comes with age, right? Um, There's a woman that I interviewed in my first book, and she described like when you're younger, like placing your value on what other people think. Like, is this, is this cute? Am am I right? Am I saying the right thing? Is it, do I like this? Do they like this? And I think as you get older, you realize, "Eh, I don't care. Right. (laughs) It's true. I don't care what they like. It's true. I'm fabulous. Yeah. (laughs) Well, and you also learn so much about people projecting mm-hmm. self-loathing onto you for the things that they can't stand about themselves. Yes. And it comes out as they're judging you in some way. And you you realize, ah, this is about you. Yeah, not me. Not me. But it takes some age yeah. to get that, mm-hmm. you know. That's great. That's great. Tamara, your incredible work appears in The Lemonade Reader, Beyonce, Black Feminism, and Spirituality, a book designed as an educational tool to support and guide discussions of the visual album at the postgraduate 
and undergraduate levels. How did this come together for you? And I know it was probably an essay because I read about the book. Um, and were you given a specific topic? Did you get to pick your own? How did that work? So I don't know why I write about Beyonce so much. Because <laughs> she's a badass. But I, she is a badass. And I think women like Beyonce are very illustrative of how black women are seen in the public eye. So like if you want to know like what people think about black women's sexuality or what they think of us as bosses or as wives or mothers, it's easy to look at women who are in the public eye like Beyonce mm-hmm. or Michelle Obama. So I've written several articles about Beyonce and the folks who were putting this book together, including Kenitra Brooks, they were looking for someone who could write, but who wasn't necessarily a scholarly writer, mm-hmm. who could write something um, that was more mainstream, kind of in interrogating that piece of pop- popular culture. So um, she read an article that I had written about uh, lemonade and capitalism, And she thought that was an interesting thing to look at um, and asked me to write an essay. And and as I always am, when people ask me to write about Beyonce, I was honored and eager to do it. That's so cool. That is cool. (laughs) I can't wait to read it. So you're a prolific writer, speaker. You've had your own blog. You've had your own podcast. You've done a million things. What work or message is the most important for you to get out there? I think... It's that black women are human um, because I think very often people forget our humanity and that's because we exist at the intersection of this, this, these groups of people that our society does not always value and that is women and um, black people. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that that burdens us with a lot of stereotypes and a lot of other people's other biases. And so getting people to see us not through the lens of all of those things and seeing us for who we are, which are complicated people, um, is hard. And so I think part of doing that work is telling our stories and, and helping other black women and girls to tell their stories. Here, here. So we talked about kind of what you learn as you mature. Mm -hmm. If you could go back to Gary and Mm -hmm. talk to 10-year-old Tamara, what would you want her to know? I would say don't worry. It's going to be okay. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, when you're you're a kid, when you're a girl, there's so much you're concerned about. Like, you know, who likes me? And do I – you know, we kind of talked about this – do, do I look the right way? Am I doing the right thing? Um, you know, am I, am I going to get married? Am I going to like, am I, and, you know, and all those things have a way of working themselves out and you grow and you learn. And I wish there was a way that you could all go back and tell your younger self and get your younger self to believe right. that it's going to unfold as it is to do your best and it'll be okay. Can you talk a little bit about, because I know you're super proud of it, as you should be, the transformative work that you're doing with Central Indiana Community Foundation? So, you know, I love this. And CICF is the first place I've ever worked where I've actually gotten an opportunity to take all the stuff I've been writing about, all of this work and social justice and race and all those things, and bring them to my nine-to-five right. job. Um, so two years ago, CICF changed its mission, which foundations don't do often, to focus on making central Indiana a place where everybody has, um, 
has access to the opportunity um, to reach their full potential, no matter their place, race, or identity. And so we're doing that, you know, one, by making our grant making more equitable, um, by working with our donors um, to educate them about inequities. You know, our, our first thing is always to help them live out their values through philanthropy, but also showing them ways that inequity works in the system and how they might be able to be more effective um, with their philanthropy. And then, you know, lastly, community leadership and looking at some key areas, which are economic mobility, family stability, um, dismantling institutional racism, neighborhood empowerment and placemaking and criminal justice reform. They're really important um, in executing our mission. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I want to get a little bit into the book that you, your latest book that's going to um, appear. Mm -hmm. It's going to be published in March, right? It comes Mm -hmm. out in March. Okay. So let's talk a little bit about Dear Black Girl, Letters Mm -hmm. from Your Sisters on Stepping into Your Power. Talk a little bit about the inspiration for writing that. So I happened to be doing a workshop with two friends of mine, and it was going to be an intergenerational one. So we were trying to get moms and, you know, younger younger girls, teenagers, and bring them together to have these great intergenerational conversations. And so I just got this idea that wouldn't it be nice as like a goodie bag thing if I could get women to write letters that we would then give to the girls. I asked for 12. I just went on social media and go, hey, if you want to, would you write a letter? I got 50. Wow. From all over the world, one as far as Switzerland, you know, people wrote on like scented paper, they sent journals, they, like it was amazing. And the first letter that I read made me ugly cry. Oh. <laughs> it was, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was amazing. And um, I was like, more girls have to get this. So I started, um, I launched this Letters to Black Girls project. But it's difficult, right? Because I've got a job. <laughs> and so right. I can only get letters out as fast as I can move. So I got this uh, the, the idea to write a book um, to get more of these letters to women and to give women an opportunity to nurture young girls. You know, very often when we talk to younger women, we want to lecture them. We don't want to be vulnerable. We don't want to say, I want to give you this advice because I was you at some point and I did this thing and I don't want you to do the same thing. Like, we don't want to do that part. This is an opportunity. These, These letters, women do that part. And they talk about identity and they talk about relationships with family. They talk about sexuality. They talk about... You know, there's there's a woman who writes about being incarcerated when she was a teenager. Hmm. They talk about surviving sexual assault. Mm -hmm. Some really beautiful letters in there. And then there's some analysis for me and prompts so that girls can write letters to themselves. Uh, oh, that's, that's going to be that's going to be great. Yeah. I wanted to read something um, here that uh, is also on the site, but it's a must read not only for black girls, but for everyone who cares about black girls and for black women whose inner black girl could use some healing. How does that make you feel? I mean, that that's that just gives me chills to, to think about that. I just it makes me. So in addition to telling women stories like I this feels like a 
big thing to say, but like a he- like to help women heal from yeah. all of the ways that we get battered around, you know, as we're growing. So that makes me feel really good because it, it feels like I've done what I set out to do. That's amazing. And this is your second book, correct? Mm-hmm. So the first book is The Sisters Are All Right. Mm-hmm. Talk about that for a quick second, too. So, you know, I always say Steve Harvey sent me over the edge. <laughs> because about about six or seven years ago, everyone was talking about black women in marriage and the fact that we are half as likely to marry as our white counterparts oh. for a variety of reasons. But of course, as it always happens when women are unmarried, the the reasons and you know the the way we talked about it is like what's wrong with black women that no one wants to choose them mm. you know which is a function of both sexism and racism cuz you know when Jennifer Aniston was single she was a sad sack when George Clooney was single uh-huh. <laughs> go get him right so i started writing about uh marriage but then i realized that a lot of the stereotypes that affect how people view like black women as wives and partners underpin a whole bunch of other stuff And so I broadened my approach to look at how stereotypes have followed us over the centuries um, and how they affect how people see us. But then most importantly, um, what our lives are really like. So I interviewed about 100 women, black women from across the country about motherhood and anger and health and beauty and all of those things to tell their authentic stories. I love it. Interviewed 100 people. That's great. Uh, and before we move on to the other questions, where can people find your books and your, um, you know, more about you too? You can uh, visit my website, TamaraWinfreyHarris.com. And my books are available at your favorite bookseller, wherever that is. Please support your local indie bookstores. So go to Indie Reads, yes. go to go to those places first. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Well, we usually ask that question mm-hmm. at the very end. And I know Stevie's probably like, wait, that's not that's not the right <laughs> question. But I wanted to make sure listeners yeah. um, and I wanted to make sure we mm-hmm. didn't um, lose that opportunity to talk about the books and and encourage people to uh, go out and and look for those and be ready for that in March when that book is ready. But one of the questions I wanted to ask is about challenges. So how are the challenges of young black girls different now than maybe when you were growing up in Gary and what has and maybe hasn't changed? So some of them are very much the same. It just, it plays out differently. You know, one one thing that I've noticed is is really different is sort of the the approach for girls and sexuality. Um, when I interviewed Black women about sexuality for the Sisters Are All Right, you know, people who were around my thirties, forties, fifties, they talked about being taught that women should be chaste. You don't ever talk about sex. You don't, you know, d- just don't, just don't do it. Mm-hmm. Don't do it. Don't enjoy it. Just don't talk about it. <laughs> Um, but when I started talk to talking to women in their 20s and their teens, there's this whole other thing, and that is this pressure to appear sexy and to feel, to seem available for sex, but not to have too much sex. Because, like, if you oh, look at, a- like, you look at, let I me mean, look at Instagram. Like, there's this, you know, the pose, you know. Uh-huh. And the, <laughs> yeah, the duck You can't see what I'm doing. Yeah. It's, it's like the very... And you have like songs like Cardi B and in the WAP, you know, the, be, to be very frank, but you still aren't supposed to be having it too much or enjoying right. it too much. And then there's this extra pressure for black women because we're very often seen as being 
congenitally promiscuous. Hmm. And so then that's another layer on it for those girls. And because there's a high rate of sexual assault for black girls, um, 60% of black girls before they are 18 will have experienced some sort of sexual assault and are less likely to be believed. Oh, wow. Is that nationally? Mm-hmm. Is that it? Oh, it's my nationally. gosh. That mm-hmm. just gives me sad chills. So, I mean, imagine piling all that stuff right. on top of it and then having to deal with like TikTok and IG where mm-hmm. you're supposed to present in one way, but then not be that way. And I think that's a that that did not exist in like 1987. Sure, right. <laughs> wow. Oh, yeah. 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 What do you think through all the writing that you're doing and the work that you're doing at CICF, the people that you're talking to, uh, people that have submitted letters, whatever it might be, what are you most optimistic about for the future of not only young black women, young black girls, black women, but all of us? Young women, young people are pretty cool. I mean, we talk about we talk about the millennials and the Gen Zs, <laughs> but when I like go to college campuses and talk to students, when I see what they're doing, when I see the ways they're like protesting in the street, like and are caring about the world and caring about other people, that wasn't me at set like at seventeen right. and eighteen. Like I was nowhere near that involved. And the way I hear like young women in college talking about, you know, one one young woman told me, well, I'm just not going to. We were talking about code switching, how very often as black women, we have to change the way we would normally present to assimilate. And it's just something in my generation, you just did. I talked to this one young woman. She's like, I'm not doing that. You're just going to get me or do you like it or not like it? I was like, Okay. <laughs> it made me scared, but <laughs> but, but it, that's how you should be. But yeah. yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. What do you want as you, you've got a bright, bright future ahead of you too, mm-hmm. but with all of your prolific past, what do you want your legacy to be? Oh, wow. That's a good question. That is a good <laughs> <laughs> I think... So I think I'd like to be known as someone who was a storyteller of the black female experience, that I made black women and girls' lives better, Yeah. Um, that I made people, just people that I encountered, no matter who they are, that I made their lives better and maybe helped them discover all that they could be and how they could live free. I have I think a feeling that's, that's what how they, you're going to be remembered. I think that's what we all want. We just want to live free and be our authentic selves and and have people respect us and value us for that. I agree. What was there a time uh even as confident as you are yeah. that you felt really vulnerable? Yeah, I mean there have been a lot of spots along my career and my life. Um I just I got to give big ups to my parents because I think they just I think they just taught us to push push through that so I can be vulnerable and I'll go and I'll tell my girlfriends and I'll go, I don't know. It also helps to have supportive people around you. Yeah. People who will tell you, I get why you feel that way, but suck it up. So I really love this about one of the questions we asked early on before this interview, we asked what really matters to you. And you responded about a prayer and yoga that you learned and heard um, through training. And it was, may all 
What the? <laughs> Flipping <there>. hell. Okay. <laughs> this is why we don't ab lib, ladies. Okay. I love this so much. We asked you what really matters to you, and you talked about a prayer uh, through yoga that you learned, and it was, may all beings be happy, healthy, safe, and free. Yeah. Talk about that for a minute. I love that. So this year, I've been going through yoga teacher training, my 200 hour, I will graduate in a couple weeks. Oh, yay. And I heard, you know, that's a that's a a common way to end classes. And the Sanskrit is loka, samasta, sukino, bhavantu. May all beings be happy, healthy, safe and free. And isn't again, isn't that what you like, what a beautiful wish for other people. But if someone wishes that for me, like it's just beautiful because yeah. those are all the things that you kind of want. That is beautiful. Thank you. I, I, I know you mentioned that, and I wanted to make sure that we address that because yeah. it is beautiful and powerful. As we close out the podcast, one of the things we like to ask our guests is what brings them joy? So really, what brings you the most joy and happiness? So two things, and one is the company of other Black women. I love my friends. They are so awesome. Um, I Last year, for my 50th birthday, we went to a cabin in Brown County, and I cannot tell you how much fun and how much toasted coconut rum we drank. <laughs> it was amazing. They are supportive, and they are amazing, and they make me want to be better, and and my family. I feel very, very lucky for my parents and for my brother and sister and and all of our extended family because I think they have made me who I am today. Oh, that's great. So, Tamara, last question. We believe that women have incredible gifts of inspiration, strength, courage, empowerment. What gift do you believe you have and how do you like or want to share it with others? I think my writing is, is that's the thing that I never feel unsure of. Like, that's the thing. And I think I said at the beginning of my, the sisters are all right. It's like, I don't feel like I'm like a community organizer. I certainly am not a fighter. (laughs) I like, I can, I can add, but but it's like the thing, the thing that I, I am always sure about is my ability to communicate, especially through the written word. And so, but I think that's important right now. I mean, there's so, so much consensus we have to find. There's so many people we have to convince of so many things. And so I think that's the thing that I have, that I have to offer. Yeah. To the revolution. Yes. It's a big job. And I have full confidence that you can get it done. (laughs) Thank you. Well, unfortunately, we're wrapping up and out of time. So Tamara, thank you so much for joining us today. You are an amazing writer. You have a voice we all need to hear. And you're empowering women and young girls and just incredibly, incredibly inspiring. For those reasons, and so many more, Tamara Winfrey Harris, we think that you are a true badass living an amazing badassery life. She's doing a happy Thank dance. Yes. <laughs> yes. Thank you so much for, for being here. For real. Thank you. Yep. And a big thank you to the badasses out there listening. We'd love to hear what you think write a review or shoot us a message at badasserylife at gmail.com. If you want more stories like this, you can find them on my blog at badasserylife.com. You can also follow us on Facebook at Badassery Life and on Instagram at Badassery underscore life. We want to give a shout out to Kevin McLeod for our podcast theme music and to our amazing producer, Jenny Duran.
And we'd also like to thank Central Indiana Community Foundation, CICF, for allowing us to record this podcast here in their space today. So uh, thanks to CICF. And uh, until next time, we just encourage you to keep being your badass self. Yeah.